probably guessed that a lack of sleep doesn't help anything, including your mood. But did you know there's a connection between sleep and mental health conditions? As in, a lack of sleep can make daily worries, stress, and even anxiousness worse, and they, in turn, can fuel your sleep troubles. Today, we're shining a light on the connection between sleep and mental wellness and sharing our favorite five tips for getting a good night's rest. And they're likely ones you haven't heard before. Let's dive in. So this is a topic that came about because of a recent article that I wrote because the research that I was reading for it was so surprising or it was just different stuff that I'd never heard. I always love a topic that is different and fresh that you and I haven't heard, especially in the world of uh, nutrition science. Yes. So I read an article for Eating Well recently and it's the title was Anxiety might be the reason you can't fall asleep and here are things to do about it. Which we will link it to in the show notes. Yes, we will. And I, I always, well, just personally, I know that a lack of sleep does not help anything, particularly my mental outlook and, you know, I mean, your productivity isn't as high. So I knew a lack of sleep wasn't great for your mental wellness. But what I did not know is that sleep and mental wellness are what they call bidirectional, which means a lack of sleep can actually increase your risk for mental health conditions like anxiety disorders. So I didn't know that. I mean, I knew a lack of sleep could make it worse. I didn't realize it could potentially be a cause. I think the concept of that, like it's a two-way street is so fascinating. And that's the part that is, was so new for you and me. And, and like, you know, that getting sleep, like in my experience, when in the past I've had some of my like tougher mental health periods, you know, like where my Mm -hmm. like depression has been higher or my anxiety has been, has been higher. I know that I have needed more sleep, you know, like I've needed to take naps on the weekends because I am just depleted. But it is interesting to think that the lack of sleep can also be causing some underlying mental health conditions. Yeah. And I want to say, I hesitate using the word anxiety because I feel like people sometimes feel like they have to have a diagnosed condition. But we're talking about how things like just worries and stress and you know how you get in bed at the end of the day and you just can't turn your mind off. Yes. Even though you're tired. Yes. I think everybody experiences that mm-hmm. at some point. So this may be like that stress-induced anxiety that I'm going to say everybody gets on occasion or maybe even regularly. But it also applies to people who may have a diagnosed anxiety disorder. Mm-hmm. And also, you and I were talking earlier about how then when you are having trouble sleeping, that can then be worrisome. Yeah. And I think they called it in the article we were looking at anticipatory anxiety. Like then you start anticipating that you won't be able to sleep and start stressing about that. Right. And that (laughs) just amplifies everything. Yeah. So it's become a vicious cycle. Yeah. Well, and just the sleep and worrying or anxiety, it becomes a vicious cycle because you're worrying, you're stressed, you can't go to sleep. The lack of sleep makes that worse and they just build. Yes. Exactly. So... I think it's also important to talk a little bit about sleep and sleep disturbances. Because a lot of times you hear about insomnia, which, you know, is where you have a hard time falling asleep. 
But sleep disturbances that can interrupt your sleep or cause you to just not get that good quality sleep that you need. Now, when we talk about not getting adequate sleep or restful sleep, a lot of times you think about insomnia where you can't go to sleep or you have difficulty falling asleep. But it may, your sleep can be impacted if you, maybe you can fall asleep, but then you have restless or wakeful sleep. You wake up several times during the night or you wake up maybe once, but you're awake and you can't go back to sleep for a while. So anything that disrupts your sleep, whether that's not being able to go to sleep or you wake in the middle of the night or you just toss and turn, all of those things impact your overall quality of sleep. Yes. Yeah. I mean, even those like multiple bathroom breaks, if you're that person, I mean, that that counts as like a nighttime sleep disruption. Yeah. And I mean, I think that... I think that everybody knows this intrinsically, but there is, it's not just about the quantity of sleep. It is also about the quality of sleep and those sleep disruptions. You might not realize how much they're impacting your quality of sleep, but they do influence the different stages of sleep and you need to be, go through all of the different stages of sleep to really feel rested. Yeah. Yeah. So should we dive into some of these tips yeah and we mentioned earlier that we're going to share some things that are likely sleep tips or tips for to get a better night of sleep that you haven't heard of we really wanted to stay away from those traditional ones that you're probably expecting yes so these are different ones okay but we should say that just as a quick reference like let's remember that your you know, Instagram scrolling before bed or other blue light exposure, problematic. Um, Caffeine too late in the day, which we're going to define how late is too late in a little bit. But too much caffeine and too late in the day, also problematic. Drinking alcohol before you go to sleep. Um, One of the tips actually that, that we were reading said that you really should be cutting your alcohol off two to three hours before you go to bed if you have yeah something alcohol to drink up on you because you think you go to you go to sleep easier right but it causes you to get restless sleep later right we need to do a whole episode on that but that would yeah that would be interesting because because it absolutely helps even, knock me out and I unfortunately had to finally face it even one glass of wine disrupts my sleep somewhat oh I know that's sad Anyway, so we we wanted to acknowledge those because, yes, those play a role. But we then wanted to focus on the ones that I discovered in my research when writing this article because they weren't necessarily ones that I had thought about or knew. Well, and as you always do so well when you pull together an article with different tips is that when you kind of dive in – you realize like, oh, that's a totally different perspective. So the first one is an awesome, awesome example. Our first tip is to add certain protein foods to your menu. Getting adequate protein is important because the amino acids that make up those proteins, some of them serve as starting material for certain neurotransmitters in your brain. Right. Um, And some of those neurotransmitters regulate mood and can even impact sleep. So getting adequate protein is important, but there may be some additional benefits by getting proteins that have omega-3 fatty acids as well as choline. So one of the best ways to get choline is through eggs. 
That's right. A lack of both omega-3 fatty acids and choline have both been associated with an increased risk for anxiety. Both of those can also help with managing anxiety. So where do we get those? We've talked about this before when it comes to omega-3 fatty acids. Fish, yeah, your right? Cold water, your cold water ones. Fattier fish. So your salmon, your mackerel, your trout, sardines. Your skipjack tuna, yeah. sardines, anchovies, oysters are actually a, a great source. Mussels can be a good source too. Um, and if you don't really care for fish, then you can uh, get them from some supplements. I'm going to assume that was directed at me. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> Okay, but choline. Choline is one that you may not know as much about. I don't think so. And it's not one that we've really talked about much. Uh-uh. Yeah. Uh-uh. But we do plan to kind of to circle back with choline because it is really important um, to your mental well-being, to your health. But one of the best top sources of choline is eggs. Which I love because they're just such a quick and easy protein. Yes. If only I could get two people in my house on board to eat them, it would be like, we would probably have eggs for dinner at least once a week. Kids seem to either be hit or miss with eggs. They really are. Yeah. I love eggs. Um, They're so easy. Yeah. We do breakfast at least once a week. Breakfast for dinner. Oh, yeah. At least once a week. Um, But so eggs are one of your top sources of choline. And we really, most people probably aren't getting enough choline in their diet. Now, here's how you can double dip. You know, I love... A quick be, tip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. A shortcut. Be super efficient. Yeah. yeah. Um, so if you purchase eggs where the chickens have been fed a diet that is fortified with omega-3s, then those eggs can give you a dose of the omega-3 fatty acids along with the choline. Which, I mean, win-win. Win-win. Yeah. Now, you probably need to be getting some omega- more omega-3s yes. than just what's in those eggs. Good point. But, you know, there is milk fortified with omega-3s now. And like I said, we go back to supplements. There are plant-based sources. Um, so, yeah. It doesn't have to be fish for those of us who don't love the fish. Yes. Okay. Tip number two. Don't skip your workout. This is not what I wanted to hear today. (laughs) I want to cancel my day and go work out now. Yeah. (laughs) It's so true. So, um, and for the article that I recently wrote, I interviewed um, Atlanta-based trainer and yoga instructor Julie Jones, who we interviewed in season one for our exercise episode. And she explained that Exercise is one of the most beneficial things that you can do to treat and manage your anxiety. And she made a good point that I never really thought about this. Exercise or any kind of physical activity doesn't have to be planned exercise. It can be just getting out and taking a walk with the dog or whatever. It helps you release anxious energy. Then it also triggers those feel-good neurotransmitters like serotonin and dopamine, which helps to ease anxiety and stress. But when you're looking at it from a sleep perspective, regular activity or daily activity is one of the best things you can do to promote a good night's sleep in advance. Now, there are people who will say that if they exercise at night, like after work or 
or whatever that they feel like it impacts their sleep. So did you have, did you get any tips on like if there's like a cutoff period? You know, I have heard that too. Um, I have not really looked into that. I would say probably several hours exercise, you know, two to three hours at least before you plan to go to bed. I've just always been such a morning person. <laughs> and like, if I don't get my workout in by three o'clock, it isn't happening. Yeah. So uh, um, I can't really relate, but I have heard that. So yeah, if, if you tend to be, get your activity in at night and you've noticed it has a connection, then try backing it up an hour or two and see how that helps. Because when you finish your workout, you are kind of like revved up and motivated and, you know, so I can see how that might be hard to kind of come down from to get in a sleep mode right. to go to bed. Yeah. that that may, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Now, in the past, Julie has always said, right, that pretty much any type of exercise can be helpful. I do think it's interesting, though, that there was a tip or there was a study that I saw just earlier this week uh, that that was showing that higher intensity exercise can potentially offer the most relief for those suffering from anxiety. Yeah. So still, I think do what do what works for you. But it is interesting to know that if you can kind of get in one of those like really extra heavy kind of workouts that it might really quell that that worry stress anxiety yeah where I've seen the most research or the most definitive research is that higher intensity um or strength training Mm -hmm. seems to be the best for anxiety or just stress but the American College of Sports Medicine in their mental wellness guidelines they stress that it's okay if you can't do either of those. Like just getting out for a walk for 10 to 15 minutes has benefits. Which I love because sometimes that really is just about like walking the dog if you have a dog. Yeah. And this has been good for me because I tend to be one of those all or nothing people. Yeah. Like if I can't get an, what I consider an adequate amount of time to work out, then I tend to be more like, let's skip it. And right. now I'm stopping myself and saying no. That 15-minute walk around the neighborhood actually has benefit, Carolyn. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, and uh, that also goes back to what we've talked about before, where spending time outside is also good. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. We're going to – I'm going. I'm taking us down a rabbit hole. All right. What is tip number three? Load up on your magnesium-rich foods. This has been a new passion of mine. Yeah. Are you kind of like mag- – um, is it your vitamin D? You know, vitamin D is like my pet nutrient. Yeah. Well, you know, fiber has always been oh. a, a great love of mine slash obsession. But magnesium has been one that I've been experimenting with okay. more lately um, as I've been diving in. Because we're planning on doing a magnesium episode. So, you know, we've been looking into it. And I've, I've kind of gone down a few rabbit holes. But um, I will say that in addition to trying to get more magnesium rich foods into my diet I've started experimenting with supplements too Mm, okay well and magnesium is a key nutrient that the body needs but it's a really key one for the brain and what I found when I was doing research for this article is that most people consume amounts significantly below the RDA now this doesn't mean they're deficient but they're not the what they're getting each day isn't adequate 
Yes. Isn't isn't optimal. Right. Um, is, uh, that's a great way to put it. It isn't optimal what yeah. they're getting. Like th- they could stand to get some more. And why is that important? Um, low or inadequate intakes are associated with anxiety and other mental health conditions. Yeah. So um, the hard thing about magnesium, though, that I did learn, and I um, don't think I knew this before, is that um, like sometimes they'll test like the electrolytes in your blood, like magnesium being one of them. That doesn't give you an indicator for what your overall magnesium intake is. Right. Yeah. Or like your magnesium status. Yeah. Your magnesium yeah. status. Yeah. Like, yeah. like you can with vitamin D go and get it measured and that is a is a more reliable indicator, but yeah. not so much with magnesium. Yeah. So and then there's also research to suggest that magnesium may not only help with anxiety, but also help with sleep. I know I've seen a lot of research on magnesium and sleep. Now, none of them are, they're not as clear or, you know, not as strong as some of the magnesium and anxiety research. But, hey, I mean, why not? If you need it anyway, yeah. Why not? It helps with anxiety and it helps with sleep. Also, a little side note, it does um, keep your digestive system rolling along. So, Yes. It's one of those that the more the more I've dug into it, I'm realizing like, oh, in in this is a great like just overall have. Let's I have think this. It's certain it's a certain type of magnesium. And it we'll get is. into that to our episode because here's here's how I know um the magnesium can keep things going through your digestive tract. I had a friend order the Living with Landon's poop pills. Okay. About nine to 12 months ago. And she shared her experience. And when you look at it, it's essentially magnesium. And I can't remember which form of magnesium it was. But she's like, "Uh, it works. Like, you need to plan it around your schedule because it works. And that's how I first realized that a certain form of magnesium can Move things along. Move things along. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, stay tuned okay. for our future magnesium episode. <laughs> that is legitimately coming. Um, so how do you get more magnesium? You can take a supplement. Make sure you look at what's recommended, though. You never mm-hmm. want to go above what they say What is the UL, the tolerable upper intake limit. So you don't want to go above that. But most people are not getting adequate amounts in their diet. So... And some of the best sources are your nuts, your seeds, your legumes, like your beans and your peas. Um, and leafy greens, too, are also are also good sources. Yeah, yeah. Um, one ounce of almonds provides 20% of your daily needs. And nuts are probably something we could all benefit oh, from yeah. eating I mean, every day. They're a great snack. Yeah. Well, yeah. They're, they're great with a lot of things, but they're an easy snack. Mm-hmm. Two, um, a source that I didn't realize was so good was pumpkin seeds. Um, or pepitas? Yeah. Am I saying that right? I think so. Okay. Just put the southern <laughs> spin on it. It will be fine. <laughs> pepitas um, and chia seeds. But then, yeah, your leafy greens, spinach, kale, that kind of thing. We've talked about chia seeds. I'm making you a chia oh, pudding. Yeah. yeah, you will never find a chia seed pudding in one of my cookbooks. No. Nope. Sorry, guys. Not one happening. One Pot Meals at Heal will not have it in there. Okay, so we are on to tip number four. four right yes let's let's go back to the caffeine right all okay. right so everyone knows that drinking caffeine late in the day 
or even at night can make you stay up. Yes. Or or it can affect your sleep cycle. Yeah. You know, down down the line, make you restless. Yeah, exactly. But what you may not realize is that you probably should cut back on caffeine earlier in the day than you think. Yes. Um, So, you know, it's fine to start your day with a cup of coffee. It's fine to have another cup or two in the mornings. But I interviewed a sleep doctor for a story about a year or so ago. And he ran a sleep clinic um, up in the Northeast. And he said he recommended to his patients who really suffered from some type of sleep disturbance or just really struggled to get adequate, a good adequate night of sleep, that they not drink caffeine after lunch. So after around noon or 1 p.m. And that's probably a lot earlier than most people think. Now, the reason is um, caffeine has a long half-life, which that's essentially kind of how long that caffeine is lives in your body or is and active right how long it's like yeah and i want lingering and impacting you i want to say the half-life is around eight hours yeah so even though you think drinking a, a coke at like two or three may not hurt you it could potentially and that half-life of caffeine differs among slightly among individuals and can affect people differently right and and i do think that that's the big thing because in my brain i always thought like oh okay two or three it it's usually okay Two or three in the afternoon is usually like a good cutoff, yeah. right? But because it does, it does like people metabolize it differently. It becomes one of those, one of those, um, or things for lack of a better word. It becomes one of those things that you you need to experiment with a little bit yourself. But I love that advice that like if you do really have any type of like sleep troubles. Or even if you're just going through a period of having restless sleep, like just dial that caffeine back. Yeah. And we're not and saying don't have it. Just have it towards more towards the front of your day. Because, I mean, caffeine is good for certain things. Um, like having a cup of coffee in the morning, um, I mean, we both rely on it. Um, I think you more than me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> but, have more than um, a cup. There's um, the caffeine increases or boosts your energy like earlier in the day, which is why we feel like it wakes us up. But it also blocks chemicals in the brain that make you tired, which, again, it helps you feel alert. So we're not saying don't have it, and we're not saying just have one cup. We're just saying have it early. Now, if you do have anxiety or if you have more caffeine than normal, that can make your anxiety worse or you may just just be aware that because it can cause what they refer to as caffeine induced anxiety which may feel a little more like when your stress starts to go up or you're a little more irritable or just on edge right so just so just be aware um of that well and i will also say that um it's important to remember where you might be getting caffeine, okay? Because, like, it isn't just coffee and tea and, and you know, Coke or Pepsi or whatever. It's also, you know, if you're working out in the afternoon or the evening and you do any of those pre-workout, oh, you know, drinks. Caffeine? Oh, yeah, they can I mean, have caffeine I knew caffeine the energy added. drinks did. Oh, a lot of those pre-workout things. So, like, you, well, and you need to look there, a too. A lot of them may have herbs like that. Um, I'm not going to say it right. The one I can say is ginseng. But yeah. then there's one like Ma Hung. Oh, I don't know that one. But yeah, there's, st- there's stimulants. Right. Yeah. So you need to look for herbal stuff. Right. 
Um, and then they don't have caffeine, but they can keep you up. And usually they're packaged with some kind of type of caffeine. Ex- yeah, exactly. And the nice part about some of those supplements is that they will actually say that they add caffeine in the ingredient list. Really small. Really small. Yeah. Yeah. Really, yeah. really small. So, yeah, just be aware because sometimes it can show up in unusual places. Now, dark chocolate is a source. Um, is, yeah. Or chocolate. Dark chocolate, I think a little more so. But... I mean, that's not to say if you enjoy, like, like I went through a stage where I just had one little tiny Ghirardelli piece every night of this dark chocolate. Yeah. Almond toffee crunch. It was so good. Mm. Um, I don't think that's going to keep you up. I would hope not. No. Yeah. But, you know, if you're having the German chocolate cake, massive slice before bed, yeah, you might you just might want to be aware. Just be aware. Um and I think also, and this kind of came up earlier, we started talking about caffeine, but I've heard people say, caffeine doesn't affect me. I can drink it before bed and go to sleep. Right. You know? Right. I think it it may, you may have no trouble going to sleep, and that's great, but I think it probably, even though you may not be able to tell, is affecting your sleep quality. Yeah. And you're not going into deep sleep or staying in deep sleep as long as you should. Yes. And that's where if you kind of, you know, do a little experiment on yourself, you might be able to discover that it is actually hindering your sleep. Yeah. All right. The next tip. This is my favorite because it resonated with me. I love this. Like I am going to employ this tip particularly this time of year when it feels like there's a lot of like extraneous life stuff on my plate. Make a worry list. Yeah. Create a worry list. And, okay, I have to give Julie Jones, our friend and colleague in Atlanta, the trainer and yoga instructor, credit for this. She has been writing a lot of pieces on sleep over the past year for eating well. And I think I read it in one of her pieces, or she told me, because I think she was doing it. And it was just kind of like an aha moment for her. And when she told me, it was an aha moment for me. Keep, Keep a notebook by your bed. You know, if you're one of those people that gets in bed and just starts thinking about things, and I know I get in bed and I'm like, oh, I've got to remember to do this tomorrow and this tomorrow and to tell this person this and to text this and to send money with Griffin for this, you know. Yeah. Um, those kind of things, just thoughts kind of won't stop or you can't quiet your mind down. Um, write it down. Yeah. You know, write it down or write, if you're worried about something, write it down. Just doing that is almost kind of gets it out of your mind. Yeah. Puts that worry or stress in another place. Well, and then, you know, if it is like a to-do item, hopefully you're not going to wake up in the middle of the night and be like, oh, I can't forget to do this because you already put it down on a piece of paper. Right. When I do that, I'm fine. Yeah. Like, it no just, more worry, no more stress. Exactly. Now, I'm not saying like big life issues. I mean, yeah, that's hard. That's a, ma- a major worries are harder to get out of your mind. But I do think there is something... Um really helpful about just writing it down acknowledging it gives it validation maybe your yes, favorite, my word. favorite word putting yeah. it on paper and it sounds so simple but I don't know maybe it's because I tend to be more of the type a person this really helped me well I'm excited to try it and I also as we're talking about it it makes me think that it it is a form of journaling and there is research that shows that journaling really helps with your mood yeah and when you when you talk about journaling, there isn't like 
one way to do journaling See, or not. You know, I always thought that there was, right? To like I've write down like the away, dear diary. I feel like I have to write a paragraph or two, and I'm right. like, uh, uh-uh. uh. But I, I even was reading something earlier this week that said like journaling can just be like a stream of consciousness. It can be a bulleted list. list. Yeah. It can, you know, it can be really whatever you want it to be. And so uh, making a worry list is a form of journaling. You know, and as we're talking, I'm realizing this is a really good thing to try if you have an anxious child or a child Mm. that worries a lot. You know, just getting them to make a list or journal a little or in some form. I love that. I'm going to try that too. Yeah. I'm so glad I have all these great parenting thoughts, like now that we're through some of these stages. (laughs) Why couldn't I have some of these brilliant parenting thoughts like 10 years ago? Oh, because now you're helping somebody else. Hopefully. All right. The last one is feed your gut, which, I mean, I I, I don't want like to sound repeat like a broken here. record. Yeah. But just remember that there is that connection between your gut and your brain and that having a healthy gut microbiome is, you know, really does help with anxiety um, and in turn, obviously, then that is going to hopefully help with sleep. Yeah. Those microbes, those good microbes are dictating a lot when it comes to the neurotransmitters made in your brain. And that's really why the gut matters. So um, get your yogurt, get your fermented foods, your kombucha, um, get those in as much as you can. Exactly. And that's all we're going to say about that because y'all are probably getting sick of hearing us talk about gut health. Thank you. Amen. (laughs) All right. Moving on. Moving on. So overall, big picture is just keep in mind that both it's a two-way street, right? So your stress, your worries, your anxiety can fuel your sleep problems your sleep problems can fuel your stress your worry and your anxiety and lead to bigger issues true like a a, a diagnosable anxiety disorder exactly yeah so it's not just i think people tend to think of sleep as something like a luxury like something indulgent but it's not like sleep is just it's as important as what you eat and activity and managing your stress yeah and you're right I mean we definitely live in a culture where it does feel like it's an indulgence and we need to really shift that perspective oh I've shifted it for me at least in my house (laughs) you know I have too you and I just have different sleep schedules yeah Yeah. okay well we are going to link the article that I wrote recently for eating well in the show notes And let us know if you try any of these tips or if you notice a difference or if you found other things that kind of help those, your anxiety or stress, particularly um, before bedtime or when you're trying to fall asleep. Thank you so much for tuning in. We can't wait to be back with you next week. And be sure to share this with a friend of yours who maybe could use a better night's sleep. Yeah. Bye, guys. Thank you so much for joining us for the Happy Eating Podcast. I'm Briarly Horton. And I'm Carolyn Williams. If you liked this week's episode, then don't forget to rate and leave us a review on iTunes. And be sure to hit the subscribe button so you'll never miss a new episode. We can't wait to have you back at our table next week for a brand new episode. Bye. Bye.
The contents discussed in the Happy Eating Podcast, such as advice, studies, text, graphics, images, and other material discussed or presented on the site or podcast are for informational purposes only. Content is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your mental health professional or other qualified health providers with any questions you may have regarding your condition. Never disregard professional advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on the Happy Eating Podcast. If you are in crisis or think you may have an emergency, call your doctor or 911 immediately. If you're having suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK, that's 8255, to talk to a skilled, trained counselor at the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. If you are located outside the United States, call your local emergency line immediately.